Welcome to The Honest Pour with John Lennart, where we go beyond the bottle to connect you with the people and places that make each wine so unique. Near Gaiola in Chianti Classico lies Castello di Brolio. This iconic location has been home of the Ricazzoli family since 1141. Amidst the 1,200 hectare property are 240 hectares of vineyards. It's in these vineyards that Francesco Ricazzoli drives innovation in soil testing and grape growing. Through these efforts, he has created Raritas, a line of three distinct wines that reflect the crews of Brolio. Technically Gran Selezione wines, these three bottlings take the idea to the next level. I sat down and talked with Francesco about this, the history of the iconic estate, and of course we tasted some delicious wines. This episode of The Honest Pour is sponsored in part by Foodeter.com, bringing you the stories of Chicago's chefs, restaurants, and people who make food all over town. Foodeter.com. Hi, welcome to The Honest Pour. I'm John Lennart. We're recording this episode at City Winery in Chicago. Joining me today is Francesco Riccazzoli of Brolio. Hi, John. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Yes, uh, I was actually born in Brolio. Brolio is a beautiful, amazing place uh, located a uh, half an hour drive northeast from Siena, so in Tuscany, in mm-hmm. the very center of Tuscany. Right into Land Chianti Classico. Yes. Ricasoli and Brolio are sort of synonymous terms. You have your family and the place with a terrific history. Tell me the history. How many hours do we have? (laughs) Okay, Uh, without joking, I mean, yes, you're right. Uh, Ricasoli and Brolio, you cannot separate them. Uh, My family has been in this uh, location. Uh, Brolio is a castle, first of all. And when you mention Brolio, it's also not just a castle, but it's a quite big domain. Uh, So it's almost a, a small, how would I call it? Uh, rain. Uh, it's uh, a place where even uh, um, the people in the area respect a lot because it has always been uh, the most important uh, place for the community. Even today is the uh, largest and most important job givers of uh, the local commune. And uh, getting back to the history, uh, we have uh, documents already stating that uh, uh, my family was there in 1141. Uh, and uh, we have always been uh, powerful uh, landlords, uh, even before the year 1000, but not close to Blorio, in the valley of the river Arno, the river that touched also Florence and Pisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and then for sure, my family moved uh, in uh, around the uh, year 1000 or in, in what is called now the Chianti region. And little by little became important and with much more power uh, because it was defending uh, the southern borders of the Florentine Republic sure. against That's the Siena. enemy that was Siena at that time. Uh, then uh, there were many wars and uh, you know small or big conflicts, and uh, only at the beginning of the 16th century, when um, Siena finally was conquered by Florence, Brolio lost its uh, let's say military 
uh, importance. Yeah, yeah. And but between one war and the other, uh, wine was always produced. And then more and more in the 18 and even more in the 19th century, wine became really the most important business. Um, as you as you well know, in the 19th century, with you know the industrial revolution, the conquest of uh, many rights, uh, human rights, and the development of the industry and also agriculture. Um, one of the, uh, my most important uh, ancestors, Bettino Ricasoli, um, that was the prime minister of Italy in 1861, uh, developed uh, what it became uh, the rule, the formula, sure, the, the plan of uh, uh, producing Chianti. So your, your, your name not only is synonymous with Broglio and the importance of that place, but with really with what Chianti wine is. Absolutely. And uh, what was Chianti as a region today, as we already said earlier, uh, is Chianti Classico as a wine region. So the very heart of Tuscany and is under vine with uh, 7,000 hectares is today Chianti Classico. And is, uh, I think that today in this, uh, in this decade uh, we are really uh, observing a, a, a renaissance of uh, the quality of uh, uh, most of the Chianti Classico producers that are making better and better wines. Uh, you know, the previous wineries that you have been visiting uh, and seeing uh, are fantastic and they're producing great quality. And uh, we are very happy because the more we are in making great and elegant wines, the more benefits for all the rest of the sure. uh, producers. Well, what, what happened? What, what happened with the quality of Chianti wine, Chianti Classico, that it needed to undergo this revolution? Why, why did it slip? What, what, what caused that? Um, I think uh, um, a new generation uh, came uh, with uh, not even the idea, with the need. The, I mean, as a consequence that if you wanted to be alive, you need to change anyhow. And also because uh, viticulture in our region is very expensive because of uh, very harsh soil, very rocky, uh, complex, a uh, lot of slopes, uh, um, slow yields, uh, and etc., etc. I mean, makes uh, the production of wine very expensive. And uh, nowadays, with uh, a rising cost of labor uh, and great investment and so on, you had to. I mean, it was a natural consequence to try to increase the quality uh, and uh, to invest. And. Um, I think that uh, many states already succeed in this, and Chianti Classico is back to be one of the most important Italian uh, wine region, and not just the commodity for a nice and young um, drinking of a simple Sangiovese. No, today you can find complexity, you can find elegancy, you can find long-lasting uh, wine for great aging, and uh, today, I mean, uh, wines of, from Chianti Classic, you can find it in uh, uh, Michelin rated uh, French uh, restaurants around the world and so on. Something that maybe 
25 years ago was not even imaginable. And in the 1990s, something changed. You decided to reinvest and change the vineyards around the entire state. Tell me about that. Yeah, at 1990s were already a great moment for many wineries to, you know, reach the next level. And we were a little bit behind. And I felt the need also in Brolio that something had to change and to do a more precise work, a more tailored work. Um, and getting to the detail again. I think that uh, great wines are made uh, with, uh, you know, a, a, almost a maniac precision in trying to do the very best in each step of the process. Uh, as you well know, uh, a great bottle of wines is the result of probably thousands of steps. If you think planting the vine, keeping the vineyard uh, proper, doing the right operation uh, every year uh, for each season in the right way and then uh, trying not to ruin uh, the work has been done in the vineyards, doing a good vinification and then the aging and then a proper bottling without doing mistakes. And so I said that I always repeat to my people that uh, we can only be successful and we can only be um, doing great quality if we are reducing the number of mistakes. And therefore, uh, I always um, push uh, and sponsors the team to, to study, to travel, to visit, to be curious, to always increase their knowledge. Uh, because in this way, they can and we can, as a team, do a better job. Uh, and that can be said for whatever business, but in our business especially, that is only with uh, an accurate work on detail, uh, you can um, be consistent quality and try to raise you know, the level every year. Uh, technology is the same. I mean, technology helps you to prevent mistakes, not to make a better wine. Prior to that slip in quality that happened over time that we talked about, Brolio was always known as a great heritage of always being the, the top of Chianti wines. How does it make you feel knowing that you're returning your family and your family's estate to that top end once again? Well, of course, I'm, I'm very happy and very proud and uh, also feel the responsibility. But uh, sometimes I receive, I get visits and uh, the, the, the visitors ask me about the, you know, the past, the tradition. And I always remind that tradition are great if uh, they are alive and they are dynamic and I prefer to speak what we are doing and what is the next tradition, you know? The tradition of tomorrow will be remembered if we are good today. Sure. And uh, so great tradition are the one that are able to evolve. And uh, I think that uh, we are very active. We have uh, uh, always in mind that uh, uh, only increasing uh, the knowledge and uh, the tailored approach uh, to our uh, business, we can uh, uh, 
follow up and being consistent. This is uh, the most important because uh, uh, if a consumer loves our wines, maybe in three years he want to get back and find again what he felt three years before. When you started going about this renaissance in, in your wines and your winemaking, you didn't just look at what are the best clonal selections or what can we do in the cellar. You started with the earth, with, 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 with what the soil is. And everyone I talked to in Chianti Classico always said, you know, the difficult thing with Chianti Classico is the soil changes so much from one spot to the next. You don't like the soil here? Go there, different soil. What did you do? How did you figure out what the soil types were in all of your vineyards? And how did you then decide what clones or muscle selections or biotypes to plant there? Well, it's something that uh, takes time, especially in Broglio. Broglio has uh, 235 uh, hectares, so almost 600 acres under vine, and that makes Broglio the largest owner of uh, vineyard in the appellation. Uh, uh, and. Uh, in all of Chianti Classico? Or? Yes. Um, we are not the largest estate, but uh, we are the largest estate owning Chianti Classico in one block. Mm -hmm. And uh, having said that, it needs time to understand all these differences. And uh, you need also the right people, the people that has the knowledge to help you to understand these differences. So it's something that you are not solving overnight. Uh, it took more than three years just to map these differences. Then many more other years to verify in the, in the wine um, the difference uh, from all these different soils. Uh, so it's a complex work that also has to be verified. Um, not just in one or two years, but in many years. Uh, how uh, are these differences, let's say, from a limestone soil, just making an example, uh, uh, consistent every year, every vintage, from, let's say, a marine deposit or a sandstone soil, uh, consistent? Uh, you need time, you need time. And uh, it's what we did, actually. And uh, today we have been um, uh, presenting this crew uh, work, this crew, San Sangiovese crew project, uh, first vintage 2015, and we have been uh, behind this work for so many years. So the crew project just began in 20, 2015? As a vintage. As a vintage. That released I on the market, but the, uh, the project started uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, and we were already vinifying and studying these wines, but not... Not releasing. Not releasing. How does the idea of crew play along with Gran Stazioni? Why is that different? It's, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, you know, uh, in Chianti Classico, we have three degrees of classification. We have the Annata, like Brolio, then we have the Riserva, Brolio Riserva, then we have Castello di Brolio, Gran Selezione. And uh, by the way, Gran Selezione is a new addiction that has been uh, added in uh, with the vintage 2010. Correct. And um, Colle di La could have been either 
Canticla Sicarnata riserva o Gran Selezione. It's not the classification that classify the crew, uh, but it's the project that is important by itself. It's sort of like the you were making this crew idea and the uh, consorcio started with Clan Sezioni and it just happened to meet those exactly, circumstances. Correct. In fact, the first uh, vintage of Colle di La, that is the very first uh, Sangiovese crew, was uh, uh, made with uh, a vintage that was much earlier than Gran Selezione was created, was invented. So, uh, it's, uh, it's not the classification that is important for me, but it's the wine. Sure. I know one of the ways that the consortium is starting to look at labeling is maybe considering putting uh, the sub-region on each bottle, so your Gaio, yeah? Yeah, the sub-zone. Sub-zone, rather. Uh, or Greve, or Rada. Uh, how is that going to play along with, you know, you're doing so many different wines in your crew. The idea of Gaiola on the on the label, what, what will that tell me as a consumer? Because you have four different crews. This is a great question. And um, subzones are something that are mainly demanded, demanded, uh, requested, sorry, uh, by wine critics. Too many uh, wine critics. Too many wine critics, <laughs> but we need wine critics anyhow. And, uh, and this is a good thing in a sort of way. It's a good thing that wine critics and uh, wine lovers are watching Chianti Classico carefully because uh, it's a very, it's a bubbling region, it's a bubbling, it's happening, something is moving. And uh, Sangiovese is uh, uh, taken under observation because uh, we have been able, we as Chianti Classico producers, uh, we have been able to improve the quality dramatically in the last 20 years and uh, are not many, I mean, are not, mm, are many that are considering uh, some Sangiovese from Chianti Classico as being the best Sangiovese from Taio Tuscany. And so this is for us something that is very exciting. And, um, and for this reason, there is the request more and more to subdivide Chianti Classico into subzones. Uh, if this is good or bad, I don't know. There are the many, and probably the majority of the producers of this appellation are requesting this. But they have to be careful of the consequence. Uh, you know, I'm also the president of the uh, Gaiole um, Association of um, the producers, mm -hmm. Chianti Classico producers. And I always remind them that even in Gaiole, uh, there is such a huge difference between uh, uh, the different areas. Uh, and uh, tomorrow we might be subject, subject to critics, because if a consumer buys a wine from Gaiole, would like to find the same character from the different producers, because it's a, an indication of subzone. Sure. But it's not That's like that. very different, right? But With it's very different. Soil types. If you, for example, you have been 
making names of good friends. If you have been to Badia Coltibono, Badia Coltibono has different wine from uh, Ricasoli. Quite. Totally different wines, but we are in the same commune. Uh, there are so many differences within even our same commune. So it's nice the idea uh, of creating a subzone, but I would still wait a little bit of time. Tread carefully. Yes, and I would still go on in pushing the Chianti Classico producer to work on the single vineyard, on their crew, on their grande selezione, to still deliver the message that we are among the best um, producing wine region of Chianti Classico. Then we'll see in the future. We're recording this episode just after a presentation you gave about your wines. And during the presentation, you said that tradition is blending in Chianti Classico. Again, we're moving a little bit away from that tradition, like you talked about earlier, that tradition is evolving and changing. While you still do your blending with your, your, your Cante Classico and your Reserva, moving away a little bit with the crew. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can have both. I mean, uh, uh, still, at the end, um, Cante Classico has different faces. Uh, and can show different character. At the end, we have to cope with uh, wines that are delivering pleasure, elegance, and typicity. Uh, so typicity for us is Sangiovese. Sangiovese uh, that in Chianti Classico is often um, uh, with a uh, very typical uh, cherry note. Uh, very enjoyable, very approachable, crispy a little bit, uh, spicy, mm -hmm. uh, but more drinkable than many, um, many Brunellos, for example. And uh, uh, at the end, it doesn't matter if you have 5% uh, or 10% of, of this or that. It's, it's important what you blend with Sangiovese. I always remember, remind that if you, by excess, as an example, you would blend, uh, uh, let's say, a nice feminine um, Sangiovese, a little bit light, with a very um, strong varietal, let's say, cab from, let's say, very, very varietal and very herb ashes, mm -hmm. uh, you would really destroy, destroy uh, your even Sangiovese. Uh, a Sangiovese. So, but you, if you have um, um, an international grape variety that uh, is respecting the terroir and loses the typicity of the character of the grape variety and assume uh, a sort of chianti, chiantizzazione, uh, is, is, it doesn't matter how much you put, but what you put. Sure. Uh, the crews today are the evolution of the tradition and can go together with the tradition. And I think it's a research that has been helping very much also the tra traditional Chianti Classico. Uh, I explained that uh, our project of the crew has a little bit the um, Piemontese approach of the single vineyard, but of the same grape variety. And uh, I think we'll help the entire region and the entire appellation uh, to make another step ahead. Uh, but no question, Sangiovese, anyhow, is the most important grape variety. Of course, of course.
if you had to describe the wines from Brolio as a whole, what kind of characteristics would we what would we be looking at? Elegancy, uh, balance, beauty, equilibrio, grand equilibrio that is balance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Balance, yeah. Uh, and then uh, you have to find out the Sangiovese. So, uh, and to me, I think in the tasting, the fruit was all very pretty. Yes, it wasn't aggressive. No, it wasn't voluptuous. It was just pretty and, like you say, in balance. Yes, sharp. You know, sometimes uh, I like a more vertical uh, approach. So with um, long-lasting um, finish. Uh, uh, and not wines that are imposing in the palate, you know, but are more austere that are showing their beauty with time. So that opens up little by little, not the one that are impressive at the nose in the palate, but then they fell, fall, fell down. Uh, and clearly all of the wines like all of the wines in Chianti Classico, they're made for food. They yes, are food. Absolutely. That's it's a, it's a, it's a most important rule. And um, you need to know Sangiovese to enjoy it without the food. But uh, you get in love with uh, Sangiovese when you have it with the with food. I wouldn't say the right food, with the food. Should we taste some wine? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're going to start with what? The Brolio 15. 15. Well, 15 is, uh, we have all 15. All, so, all the wines we're tasting are 2015. Yeah, so we have the Brolio, we have the Reserva, we have uh, Castello di Brolio, that is Gran Selezione, and we have the single vineyard Colle di La. Uh, all 15. Mm. So we have the small baby that is Brolio, that is uh, now, it's uh, normally this wine is. Um, is enjoyed much, much younger. So, uh, in Italy, we are releasing right now uh, vintage seventeen. Seventeen releasing already. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and but in the U.S., these all these twenty fifteens are still readily available. But you know what? And moving into sixteen, which was just as good, if not maybe even a better uh, vintage. Absolutely, we are very lucky because both fifteen and sixteen are gorgeous vintages. And uh, I think here in the U.S., you are very lucky because you're enjoying um, a Brolio fifteen that uh, normally is 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 drink too early. Mm -hmm. So now it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, right in the drinking window. And this has all the characteristics that I was describing before. So the the spiciness, the Super cherry notes, cherry. Yeah. There's an earthiness. There's yeah. Here also some black cherry, some uh, uh, earthiness, uh, and vanilla is much more mild and more integrated. Mm -hmm. And we are using much much less oak than. Uh, than before. And there's there's still some good tannins, yeah. bright acidity. Absolutely. This, this wine is all about the texture, I think. It's really beautiful. And in the Brolio Reserve, again, it's uh, the older brother of Brolio. And you have more freshness now. It's still very young. The nose is more more integrated. It's more yes. complex. It's, Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. No one thing stands out. There's this harmony to it. Mm. On the pellet, there's a little more richness yeah. in Brolio. We are growing. We are growing, growing little by little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taking a step up, a little Absolutely. nicer fruit. Um, again, still that nice bright acidity. Tannins maybe a little finer. Tannins finer, good acidity that is always there. Um, maybe some kind of darker fruit from the yeah. woods. 
So tell me about the Castello di Broglio. We haven't talked about this one no. yet. No, Castello di Broglio is, uh, is the wine that is made only in the best vintages, and according to the quality of the vintage, we might make more or less bottles. Here gets the very best of all the different soils. So this is not a single vineyard? No, this is not a single vineyard. So it has it's, never it's, been, it's, has it's, never it's, been. It's the best fruit from the entire estate. Exactly, that has been um, um, harvested and vinified and aged plot by plot separately and only a few months before the bottling we decide which plot is going to be part of Castello di Brolio. And because it's it's fruit from the entire estate, we get to call Grand Sazione. Yeah, and also because it's our selection, and we decide that this is, the, the French would say, the Grand Vin. Sure. Yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah, and... Um, starting to get more, again, you still have that darker cherry, a little bit of plum note. Plums, plums, a lot of plums, and flowers. cocoa, yeah. lavender. Mm. This is beautiful wine. Yeah, and how always, much of this is made, and how much gets to the U.S.? Oh, uh, maybe ten percent goes to the U.S. We um, we are now improving distribution with our uh, partner Folio. Folio is distributing our wine since uh, one year only. Uh, we are very happy. We have. Uh, uh, the same vision, and uh, we are both uh, um, families owned, uh, and uh, we share a lot of, uh, uh, let's say, the, 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 the production uh, philosophy and distribution um, philosophy, and uh, I'm believing that we will do a great job. Mm. This wine is so complex and so pretty and so elegant. It's drinking beautifully now in 2015, but in 10, 20 years, this wine... I, I wouldn't wait so long. <laughs> <laughs> no wait, but, I, but really, I think this wine can, has that potential to age yeah, like yeah, a yeah, Grand Vin. Yeah, um, what I suggest for is to open it many hours before, possibly to the can, and having large Bordeaux glasses, because this is a wine needs to be ox oxygenated, needs air. Uh, I often say that this is a a shy wine that uh, needs to be... It's time to come to time. itself. Yep. And then uh, Bistecca Fiorentino. Ah, beautiful. <laughs> and, and we have one more wine. What's yeah, next? Colle di La. Colle di La is the single vineyard, one of the crews, the first crew that was uh, made in Broglio, and is uh, coming, of course, being a crew from a single vineyard. That is, Colle di La means the hill the other side, and is a historical vineyard. And how far from, is this far down the hill from the estate? Uh, it's uh, not far away from the castle. It's uh, on a big area of limestone. Uh, we call it Alberese in Italian. And uh, beautiful exposure is southwest and southeast. Uh, it's uh, seven hectares uh, large, so it's quite a big vineyard. And we uh, used uh, the very best out of this vineyard. And um, here you have finesse, uh, beautiful texture, Presents. you have the volume, you have uh, structure, you have uh, um, mature fruit. Uh, I mean, this is a beautiful wine, yeah. The nose is about earth first. It's about earth and flowers. Mm. And, and the palate very, so fresh and bright. Yeah, and the tannins are very, very compact yep. and very silky. Yep, silky tannins, yeah, very good way to put it. I mean, to obtain these results uh, with Sangiovese is not 
obvious. No, since your veins can be so grippy and yeah, aggressive yeah, and shake yeah. you a little bit. Nasty in the, in the palate. And is this 100% Sangiovese? Absolutely. 100%. After all the crews um, that uh, are single vineyard are Sangiovese, we have one exception that is uh, Casalferro. Casalferro is a crew, but 100% Merlot. 100% Merlot. Different way, we're not tasting that. Oh, amazing. We don't have it today because otherwise sure, we had too much. Sure, we'd be all day. <laughs> uh, but it's a Sangiovese, uh, sorry, it's a Merlot that uh, delivers uh, a very Tuscan um, character. Mm -hmm. So it's not the yummy, yummy Merlot that uh, we might know as a variety, but it's something that delivers freshness and uh, with a good acidity. So I said, Casalferro, it's a, it's a Chiantified Merlot. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there, there are two other crews we're not going to taste right now, yep. but let's talk about each one of them. Just so, you know, if someone listening reaches out and because they'll be sold in a box, one bottle of each, yeah? This is a limited release, uh, but, but then with, there is the regular uh, six bottle uh, wooden case sure. of each of them. Okay. So, so what uh, are the, the other two crews? The other two, so it's called Adila, it's the first on limestone, the second is called Ronchicone. It's not an easy name to pronounce, but then it's the name of the vineyard. Sure, sure. And we are on marine deposit. And, and when uh, I tasted that earlier, it was that wine to me was all about minerality and earthiness and then fresh, pretty fruit. Sapidity, was, the salt. Yes, uh, the yes, salt. yes, there was a salinity. And acidity, as you said, was very pronounced. Very vertical, uh, in a sort of way austere, but very, very great, a great expression of Sangiovese from our region. And then the last was Ceni Primo. Ceni Primo. We are a lower altitude. It's, uh, we call it fluvial terraces, so close to a river. So very old soil that has been opening up. And uh, there you have, again, volume, fresh fruit. Uh, you have great tanning structure. That wine to uh, me was the fruitiest yeah. of them. But, not, yes. but, but by no means flamboyant. No, no, no. It was no, still no. clearly yes. Chianti Classico. Yes. yes. And without forgetting that all these characters uh, need to be wi um, wisely merged in order to make it a balanced wine and an elegant wine. Because again, elegancy for us is key. Well, Francesco, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk with you. It was even more of a pleasure to drink your wines. <laughs> That's at the end is the most important. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, John. For John's tasting notes on the wines from this episode, go to www.thehonestpourpod.com. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to The Honest Pour with John Lennart at iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at The Honest Poor with John Lennart and follow us on Twitter at The Honest Poor. This has been The Honest Poor with John Lennart. Music by Kevin McLeod.